0: You're listening to a sermon preached at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, UPC.org. Well, God invites us to faith in Jesus Christ, and He invites us to a family of faith. He invites us to a family of faith that can tell stories of God's faithfulness generation after generation. And uh, that's why we're here today for a special worship, uh, a service of worship we call Sticky Faith Sunday. We're here all together, from the youngest to the oldest, uh, in this room to celebrate the faithfulness of God in the family of faith from one generation to the next. Uh, So I want to just take a a minute um, and invite you to look around before we go any further. Just see who is in the room. This is the family of faith. As people are arriving. uh, Look, these are the folks that have been brought together to worship Jesus Christ at this point in time. Now, um, kids, I want to ask you, see if you could find the oldest person in the room. Look around, see if you can find someone who's all wrinkly and bent over, and do you see anybody who looks old to you? Where's the oldest person in the room? <laughs> I see people pointing. Uh, we don't need, they don't need our help. But let's ask, uh, let's ask this question. Is there anybody in the room who would be willing to admit to being 70 years old or older? Do we have anybody here who's... We have have a couple. Okay, look at that. Anybody 80 and over? We got 80 and over? Okay, do I hear 90? Anyone? We got 90. Look at that. Oh, my gosh. Way to go. All right. Now, let's see who is the youngest person in the room. Do we have anyone here who's under 10 years old? Is anybody here who's 10 or younger? Right here. Right here. Okay, well, what about five? Is anybody five or younger? Less than five years. What? Where? Right over here! Right over here! Carson called! Oh, and then we got a baby! There's the youngest! Right there! The newest church addition to the family. Alright. Um, this is the family of faith. Uh, we come old. We come young. Some of us come with families. Some of us come by ourselves. But today, uh, we got a special format for our service. Uh, The sermon is going to be just a couple of comments that I'm making right now at the beginning of the service. A couple of comments at the end of the service. But really, the Word of God is going to come to us through the stories of people experiencing the family of faith together. And we want to invite you into the joy of that. One of the ways I'd like to engage you in this is I'd like to ask you to draw a picture this evening. So we gave you a piece of paper. When you came in, the usher gave you a bulletin. Would you open that up? Pull out uh, the blank page. It looks like this. It says Sticky Faith at the top. And If you didn't get one, look in the pew rack in front and see if you can dig out a white uh, card there and grab a pencil or a pen out of your pocket or from behind your ear. And um, I have an assignment for you, and I'm going to start with you children. Those of you who are younger, here's what I'd like you to do with that paper. I'd like you to think about someone in your life, other than mom or dad, that's an important person to you. All right? Think about someone in your life, other than mom or dad, that's an important person to you. This might be a teacher, might be a coach, maybe it's a grandpa, um, could be a neighbor. Okay. Think about that person and draw a picture of that person during this worship service. But those of us who are older, I want to speak to you about this too. And by the way, you get to decide whether you're younger or older. I leave that to you. But I want you to think about someone that's important to you in your life who's younger than you. And someone who's not in your immediate family. Think about someone who's in your life or around your life that you think, that's an important person to me, or I'd like that person to become an important person to me. I'd like you to draw a picture of that person. I've seen some interesting artwork from some of you adults today. Uh, If you're challenged in this department, just do the stick figure, and you can write the person's name. But let's draw these pictures as acts of worship. Let's think of them as graphic prayers. And we'll hold them up to the Lord, and we'll say, thank you for this person, for who they are, and for who they're becoming. And we'll pray for, for these people through these drawings. Okay, that's your assignment. Um, the reason for this is that the Bible teaches us that we are to have a family beyond our family. We're to have a family beyond our family. Let me show you this. Let's pull out a Bible. Would you open up your Bible to Proverbs 27 verse 10? Um, it comes right after Psalms. Kids, you might have to help your parents find this. Uh, they haven't been going to Sunday school quite as long as you have. So it's uh, Proverbs 27, verse 10. It's on page 532 of the Pew Bible. Let's turn over there. You can remain seated. In fact, i just like to read this one verse for you. It's from the wisdom of Solomon, one of the great kings of ancient Israel. Uh, this is what he says about having a family beyond a family. Do not forsake your friend or the friend of your parent. Do not go to the house of your kindred, that's your family, in the day of your calamity. And then he sums it up this way. Better is a neighbor who is nearby than kindred who are far away. That's interesting, isn't it? What he's saying is... When you're in need, your family should not be your only source of help. He calls it the day of calamity. That's a day of need. That's a day when you need support. It's a day when you're in trouble. Or a day perhaps with just great opportunity. And you need something. Someone. And here, the wisdom here is you ought to have cultivated relationships such that if your family is not available to you at that moment, you have somebody else who's nearby who sort serve of like a family. My translation of this is better is a nearby neighbor than a distant brother. Let me help you imagine this. First, those of you who are youth or, or children, remember your first day of school. And imagine that your dad drops you off at school and he comes and he kneels down before you and he says, now, I know this is a really big day for you and I imagine you're nervous today, but I don't want you to worry about anything because we've prayed for you this day. And I want you to remember Mr. Kim. Do you remember our family friend, Mr. Kim? Uh, He said he'd be praying for you today. And remember, Mr. Kim is a teacher in the upper grades here. And he said he would come and find you at lunchtime. So if you're worried about anything today or you have any kind of concern, uh, instead of trying to find us, I want you to reach out to Mr. Kim. Better as a nearby neighbor uh, than a distant brother. Or imagine that, you know, if you're older... How about having a fall and finding yourself in rehab, the unwelcome circumstance? And there you are. You know, At the end of our life, oftentimes our parents are gone, many of our family members are gone, even our friends. And we feel very much alone, particularly in a time of need. So let's imagine that you're there in rehab and the phone rings and it's your sister who lives down in Arizona. And she says, hey, I am so sorry about this accident. And I'm so sorry that I can't get up there for a little while. But I want to tell you that my coworker has a daughter who's actually a student at the University of Washington. And we told her about you. And she's been praying for you every day. And she asked us if you would mind if she comes and visits you for for a few days while you're in rehab. Would you let her do that? Again, a nearby neighbor is better than a distant brother. Solomon understands that these people can become family to us in our moments of need. And the question I want to put before you this evening is, do you have people like that in your life? Are you willing to be a person like that for somebody else's life? Do you have someone in your life that knows you and cares about you? Someone who loves God and allows God to love you through them? Well, today is what we call Sticky Faith Sunday. And we get that fun phrase, sticky faith, from the title of a book by Kara Powell and Chap Clark. They define sticky faith as lifelong faith across the age spectrum. What makes faith stick is, and here's a great disappointment to those of us who are preachers, it's not preaching. Their research has shown that what makes faith stick is relationship. And it's not just any relationship, it's relationship relationship. Across the age spectrum. The older with the younger. The younger with the older. I was reading recently a story about a four-year-old boy whose neighbor was an elderly man whose wife had just passed away. And the little boy saw his neighbor sitting on the porch crying one day and he went over across the yard and up onto the porch and sat in his lap. And he came back and his mom said, What did you say to the man? And the four-year-old child said, I didn't say anything. I just helped him cry. Now that's a good moment for both of them, the young and the old. But Kara Powell and Chap Clark have demonstrated with their research that it's not just a good thing for uh, our youth to have older people in their lives, it's absolutely essential. It's critical. Robert Putnam, the Harvard social scientist, says statistically the correlation between high social capital, that's relationship, and positive youth development, that's growth, is as close to perfect as social scientists ever find in data analyses of this sort. And it's essential, relationship is essential for faith development. Kara Powell out of her research writes, bringing the generations to sit shoulder to shoulder or look eye to eye was more important for long-term faith than any other activity. Relationship across the ages. And yet today in our society, it is so rare. Where else do you find old and young together? One of the things I love about UPC is our demographics are very even across the generations. I and mean, there are wonderful churches in Seattle. But I don't know any that have the opportunity that we have to enjoy these cross-generational relationships. What a gift we have. But we still have to be very intentional about it. Uh, Carol writes a story about a, a, a single mom. Uh, she's divorced. And she's got this boy, her child. And she has to... to um, be very intentional about giving him male role models in the absence of this boy's father. So what she did was she went down to the craft store and she bought one of those collage picture frames that's got a bunch of different openings in it, you know, where you can, you can put photos. She puts these frames on the hallway between her bedroom and her son's bedroom. And every time her boy makes a friend of somebody who's older, they try to take a picture. And they, and they put a picture... In, in one of those holes as a reminder to them of the rich network of relationships in which they are living their lives. And even the empty spaces there are a reminder to them of the future relationships that they're yet to enjoy that are coming. So we want to be intentional here at UPC as well. The old dictum in youth ministry and, and children's ministry is you want to have one adult to every five children. Chap Clark says, flip that on its head. What you really need to have is five adults caring for every one child. Five relationships. So I want to invite you tonight to be one of those five for somebody else. This is not just about children. It's not just about parents. This is really about being the church. About making disciples of Jesus. About faith that sticks across the age spectrum from cradle to glory. Let's see what this looks like in the ancient uh, family of God. Would you open up your Bible one more time as we move forward in worship? I'd like to read Deuteronomy 6 verses 1 through 9 together. And I would like to invite you to stand this time and read this with me. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 1 through 9. You find that on page 143 of the Pew Bible. Let's read it aloud together. Uh, It's a very famous passage in Judaism, ancient Israel when we're done reading I'll say this is the word of the Lord if you believe it you can say thanks be to God listen carefully you're reading his holy word now this is the commandment the statues and the ordinances that the Lord your God charged me to teach you to observe in the land that you are about to cross into and occupy so that you and your children and your children's children may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life And keep all his decrees and commandments that I am commanding you, so that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and observe them diligently, so that it may go well with you, so that you may multiply greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away. When you lie down and when you rise, bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them as an emblem on your forehead. And write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This is the word of the Lord. Heaven and earth will pass away, but what we just read never will.
1: Well, my name is Ken Sanu. I'm a parish associate here at UPC, and this is the Kramer family, Um, Karin, Todd, and Anika, and their friend, Ali Perot. And uh, they've been a part of a very interesting uh, small group that they're going to talk to us about today. So, Karin, your family is in this small group that has been meeting every year during Lent, and I understand it has like 14 adults and even more children. How in the world did that happen?
2: Yeah, so about uh, actually four years ago, Todd and I were trying to figure out what we were going to do for the Lent season in terms of small groups. And so at home one night, we went online and searched for a family group that was in our neighborhood. And we found the small group led by Jennifer and Dan Perot. And so we signed up for that. And shortly after, we were invited to be a part of their group. Um, it's been amazing. Uh, this group is made up of a few like core families that really knew each other well before we even started the group. And so newcomers like us and others um, that joined the group were all just so welcomed into that group. And because of that relationship level that some of the folks already had, the conversation that people um, went into, immediately went to a much more safe conversation and people felt like they could share and, and really um, get to know each other better.
1: That's great. And how have you seen God working in your life and, and how has it impacted Annika to be part of this small group?
2: Yeah, so this, um, I first have to say, like, if we do not Plan on going, we would get in trouble. Um, every year, Annika's asking when do we get to go back to Allie's house. So that is really uh, demonstrative of what the small group is meant to us and for Annika. So Annika's really developed great relationships with the other kids in the group, and especially with Allie and with Taylor Kim, two of the older girls in the group. And these girls are both just amazing and um, incredibly responsible. And uh, I actually hesitated in wanting to tell you their names because I don't want anyone to get ideas. I get dibs on them if I need a babysitter. So just putting that out there. Um, But yes, it's been a wonderful thing. And when you think about Sticky Faith, I really think of Allie and Taylor as being the people who will really impress themselves in Annika's life, probably more so than even the adults in the group.
1: Great. Thank you. Well, Allie, um, can you tell us how the adults in this Lent family group uh, had an impact on your faith?
2: Um, Yeah, so all the adults have had an impact on my faith because they've been able to make it a big part of their kids' faith and their whole family and just incorporated that and made that on their kids and on their kids' friends. And so every time I'm like hanging out with Taylor Kim, uh, her mom is a really good example, and Mm -hmm. same with the Kramers. Oh,
1: that's great. And I understand that you are a small group leader yourself. Can you tell us a little bit more about that?
2: Uh, I am a small group leader in the fourth grade ladybugs class. And I am a small group leader for Megan, who's in our group. And that's cool because I'm able to mentor her, just like I had mentors in fourth grade. And so I'm hoping that can be a lasting relationship along with the Lent small group with her.
1: Oh, that's great. Well, it's just wonderful to hear how all the ages in this small group have been an encouragement to one another and, how, and that has helped to um, have your, your faith grow. So uh, thank you for sharing with us. Uh, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for small groups like this. And we thank you for the support, love, and encouragement they have experienced through their small group. God, as we move toward Lent and the formation of new small groups in this church, we pray that people will find new growth in you through these involvement in these discipleship groups. We lift up to you now the leaders of these groups, that you would grant them guidance and wisdom. We pray that the sign-ups would go smoothly so that people may find just the right group for their situation in life. May we hear your voice calling us to build community so that in Jesus Christ, we are no longer strangers, but members of the household of God. May these fellowship opportunities strengthen people's faith and truly make it sick over their lifetimes. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: This is Debbie Simons and her son, Thomas Simons, just came back from a mission trip to Tijuana, as we just heard uh, Randy talking about. They went down with 29 others to build a house. Interesting thing about it is they were people of all ages that went down, from a two-year-old to I don't know what the oldest was on your trip. But uh, uh, tell us, Debbie, a little bit about what the intergenerational uh, aspect meant to you and your family.
3: Yeah, um, there's a lot of probably parents, aunts, uncles, guardians out there who could identify with the fact that your um, kids listen to other people quicker than they listen to you. (laughs) And so I saw this happen on this trip from the young encouraging the old on down the line and then vice versa. And a few ways that I saw my kids blessed, um, my youngest daughter, Deborah Jane, who's 11. she was mentored by a 25-year-old Rachel on the trip who helped her communicate in Spanish with the little Mexican kids at the orphanage. And also, Rachel was always had her Bible open and was reading Scripture around the orphanage. and Deborah Jane and all the young kids followed Rachel around and um, Rachel invited them to help us with the nightly worship service, and she was a wonderful role model. And I felt blessed to watch that. My middle daughter, Genevieve, she spent a lot of time um, painting, trim, and sides of the house with younger kids. Hmm. At the orphanage, you'll see a, a picture of that in the slideshow that we show later.
0: I noticed they have yellow on their clothes. Yes, yellow everywhere.
3: <laughs> yeah. And then Thomas, um, we had worship meetings or worship services every night. And then we'd put the kids to bed and we would debrief as adults. And one of the things we always did was we talked about... Are all the kids feeling included and feeling affirmed in who they are and being part of the team? And came up that we needed someone to communicate in Spanish with the Mexican family for whom we were building the house. And there weren't many of us who spoke Spanish very well. Someone in the group said, Thomas speaks Spanish pretty well, but he's, he's quiet about it. So I'm well, um, trying
0: to keep this a secret, <laughs> Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a good idea.
3: So curry and I said, well, if someone else <laughs> encourages him to talk to the family, that might go over a little bit better. And so anyway, we felt very blessed watching other adults speak into our kids' lives and watching our kids' self-worth just grow.
0: So somebody else took this idea that maybe Thomas could be a spokesperson for the group yeah. in interfacing with this Mexican family. Thomas, how did that feel to you? That's a lot of responsibility. And now you're, uh, you're the go-between? Uh, did you see God at work in that
4: yeah um, it was I really saw God when um, the adults how the, how the adults trusted me to communicate with the Mexican family uh, like we we invited them over for a spaghetti dinner, and it was my job to make sure they had a ride and I, I think that by by communicating with them. I, th- I think my natural tendency would have just kind of been to build the house in silence and leave, N- not really like communicate with them at all. But yeah, by I by that. talking to them, I I got to see how God was at work in their life and and understand them on a deeper level.
0: So you actually get to ride in, in the cars with some of these, is that right? And, yeah. And, and build a relationship. Yeah, with
4: them. we we talked in the car a little bit and stuff.
0: That's cool. Um, Now, tell us, I don't know if we have a picture of this, but there's a moment there where uh, you are handing something to this family. Here we go. Uh, That's the family on the left that's going to occupy the home you built. Is that right? This is you on the right, Thomas. Tell us what's happening here.
4: All right. uh, That's me handing the key to the... Mexican family of the house that we built them uh, I think that was just one more opportunity to see how we had changed their lives in four days By providing uh, Builders and resources and it felt great to be g- part of God's plan that way
0: Well, thank you both very much Thomas one last question. How do you say thank you in Spanish? Gracias Gracias, let's say gracias to these two. Thank you very much Thanks. Good job. Wow. We get to be a part of this. Uh, As we gather our tithes and offerings, we participate in the building of future houses. Would you join me in prayer? Lord Jesus, we uh, thank you for your faithfulness. As we watch Thomas give witness to his experience down there, his experience of you, it's amazing to us how faithful you are that you meet us in the waters of baptism and Over the years, as we grow, we grow in uh, grace as well and our capacity to recognize your presence in our lives and our desire to serve. We're all in process, uh, but we're also grateful for what you're doing in that process that we just give as a natural response, a joyful response, a grateful response. and uh, We pray as we give that your Holy Spirit would take these funds and uh, help build houses uh, for people in need. But also... Help make homes. You're the one who, as the psalmist says, takes the solitary and puts them in families. You're doing that for us in the grace of Jesus Christ. We pray that you'll use us to do that for others as well. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.
5: Statistics are showing us that about half of the students that graduate from high school don't carry their faith into college and through college. And As someone who's worked with um, students for several decades, that's not good enough and as a congregation that I know loves to see God do miraculous things we don't think it's good enough and we're looking for ways in which we can make that statistic just absurd because God's at work doing really good things in our midst already one of the, our, our final story is a story of hope um, from one of our college students who Maggie Kierstead, who is a part of this congregation, who has gone thousands of miles away to college, but has decided to choose faith and choose discipleship in that journey into college, and we show that because we want you to look for the clues of what was offered and supported um, into her life here, and how we can engage those things now, as they were engaged in Maggie's life so that we can see where um, God can lead them when they head out from this place.
6: My name is Maggie Kirstead and I am a student at the George Washington University in Washington, D.C. studying journalism and sustainability, but I actually grew up here in Seattle going to UPC and with a, with a family that um, brought me every Sunday. And so. so I grew up in a Christian home, had wonderful Christian parents who told me the gospel growing up, and I grew up going to Sunday school and loving church and loving my church community. I think I had belief, but I didn't have, I wasn't walking with with the Lord actively. I didn't read my Bible on my own volition. I didn't pray on my own volition, but I did those things when I came to church, and I did those things when I was in community, um, but it wasn't my own choice and so when I went off to college I just started reading God's Word on my own and it started transforming me more and more and I loved it more and more and so I think it my faith just grew a ton when I when I had to make it my own one Significant thing that growing up at UPC did for me was when I was exported to DC. Um, I knew I wanted to be in a community, and so that was really significant for me um, because I'd grown up in this community, and so I, I sought that when I left for school. Growing up, obviously my parents were discipling me, and um, and then their friends were loving me and praying for me. And in fourth grade, um, when I was in the Ladybugs and um, And Jolly Jan, who led that, she was influencing me um, so that I might look more like Christ. And then definitely in middle school and high school, there were lots of women along the way who were young, just out of college, just different young interns that, that influenced me. As I went off to college, I definitely saw discipleship very formally. And so I was in a Bible study and then me and two other girls my age were formally discipled and reading a book of the Bible and talking about it and doing life-on-life discipleship together. I was being influenced um, there significantly, And, and that's really when I started to fully understand the gospel. And especially as a college student to have other women at the church who are older and, you know, in their late 20s, early 30s, and they're Interested in meeting up with me and investing in me and and I also at the same time get to Love them and pray with them and share my life with them and and so that's really sweet I think important to making your faith stick just being in community and so I would say to parents definitely help your child find community because that was huge both here in motivating me to find it in college on my own and in college, my community's been the biggest blessing to me and so really shaped my college experience. And so I would say that's one of the first things. Um, and then I think second is just pray for your child. Faith only comes through hearing the gospel and and through prayer and the Holy Spirit moving in, in someone's heart and so I think praying is huge and then also I think definitely modeling your love of God before your children because that was really influential in my life is seeing my mom get up every morning and have a quiet time and my dad downstairs with his coffee having his quiet time and even though I wasn't having a quiet time when I was in high school just seeing that and seeing it a priority in their lives was huge I think the changes have been having a faith in head to a faith in heart and wanting to live for Christ with my whole life. And I think UPC and growing up at UPC really established me in that in that understanding and the the word of God and and the believing part and I never really doubted the life change really happened when I went off to college and and was motivated by the beauty of who God is to to live every moment and every breath for him and for his glory.
5: Please pray with me. Lord God, give us eager hearts. Show us how you are moving amongst us already. Tug at us and let us um, see who it is that you might entrust to us. Here in this community or even outside this um, this church that we can reach and build relationship and be intentional with just as you reached out to us Lord through Jesus Christ stepped into our world was intentional and laid the foundations for things to grow Lord you have freed us up through your death on the cross to be a people who can have courage with the hope and the good news that we have help us not let things like um, the generations between us the neighborhoods between us the barriers of status or of faults um, the false things we build up amongst ourselves Lord may those things all be torn down as we seek to reach across whether it's an aisle at church Or whether it's a neighborhood at home. And be a part of someone else's story. Of discovering you growing deeper in you. And then being on your mission in this world. Lord I pray that you will give us eyes to see and ears that hear. And give us a vision for how you would send us. And how we can encourage others to also use their gifts for you. Lord, we're thankful for Maggie, for the ways in which she desires to continue to grow. And even now in Thailand, Lord, we pray for her many miles away and all the new things she is discovering about owning her faith and relying on you. But Lord, we'd also lift up those who have drifted from you, who have struggled to hold on to you, or who have just lost sight of you. Lord, we pray for them, too, that there will be people in their life that can reach out, that your Holy Spirit and your grace can touch them, that they will be able to see you afresh. We pray for the ministries of this church that are constantly reaching out, but we also pray, Lord, that you can help us have an eager desire to reach in, to build up our own discipleship so we can be ready as we touch the lives of others. We do pray for the students in this neighborhood, Lord. We pray for, um, for the many students and for the ways in which they are your presence in this, in this community, but also for the ones who are not even aware of the ways in which they, their lives can be um, touched by you, redeemed by you. We pray for the families in this church and around this church, Lord. We pray that you can touch families with uh, with grace, with compassion. Just as we desire to touch the, each other in this room with grace and compassion. That the extended family of University Presbyterian Church can become an extended family in our areas of work, in our neighborhoods in this city and beyond. And Lord, as we pray for those students and families that have been recently on the mission trip, we pray that you will continue to bless those from this congregation that are serving you throughout this world. And Lord, as we pray for and we see the family that has had an intergenerational small group, and we hear about the small groups that are building, Lord, we, we pray that you will use this time of building small groups for new people to find new life in you. And all this, Lord, is made possible because we can have relationship with you. We are thankful for your love and your grace through Jesus Christ our Lord, and all God's people said.
0: Well, we've heard some wonderful stories of how God has used people to touch others' lives, and now it's our turn. Two weeks ago, my parents were up here visiting from California, and I sat across a table from my father eating dinner. And he said to me, George, let me give you a little feedback. (laughs) And I could feel the hair on the back of my neck beginning to curl. And he said, after Christmas, your sisters called us and each of your sisters independently said to us you know after Christmas there's just something different about George we don't know what it is he just seems friendlier <laughs> oh my gosh for decades that my sisters never felt that I was a friendly person but here's the, here's, the, here's the lesson that I draw from that conversation first of all this sticky faith thing I don't do it very well secondly It doesn't take much. That's what I saw. Because here's the backstory: Prior to Christmas, I had this thought. I knew I was going to go skiing with my sisters and their family. And it occurred to me, and I don't have any explanation for this, except that it's one of these times where the Holy Spirit gave me a nudge, and I was paying attention. I thought to myself, you know what? I would really like to use this week to get to know my nieces and nephews better. I said that. And um, I don't know what it is, but maybe... I feel like I live too far away, or I'm too busy, or I think, frankly, the real reason is I'm just too insecure to really invest in their lives. But these are really important people to me, and I want to be an important person to them. And what would it take for me to, to, to become the kind of person that my nieces and nephews would say, you know, Uncle George is really a trusted friend. I'm so glad that he's in my life. And so I said, "Well, I don't know, but I'll pray about that, and I'll just do some really small things." And I did over Christmas, things like uh, sitting on the floor with that toy. My my uh, nieces and nephews are late elementary, early t- uh, teenage, uh, high school years. Or riding the chairlift uh, with them, spending some time during the day to disconnect with them, sitting beside them at a meal, and just listening, paying attention to who they are. These small things. What was interesting is, according to my dad, it was noticed. Little things went a long way. And why I want to encourage you that you have similar opportunities, maybe you haven't even recognized until tonight, to do little things in the life of this important person. Let me ask you, uh, did anybody draw a picture of somebody important in their life? I'd love to see, can you hold up your piece of paper? If any of you drew something, would you just hold it up Let's see? Okay, that's, all oh, that's great. I see in the back there, we got some face, I got two people right here. That's pretty good. Good. I see, look at this. So these are, what you're saying is these are important people. These relationships really matter. Lord Jesus, we hold these up to you as acts of prayer. We ask that you would bless these people. We thank you for creating them. We thank you for what you're doing in their lives. Amen. Well, our goal here, as I hope you're hearing, is to have five adults in the life of every one youth or child. And you can be one of somebody's five. So I have some homework for you. This is is the charge. And I want to start with you kids. Can I get your attention? Kids, here's what I'd like you to do today. Or youth, I want to send you home and invite you to have a conversation with mom or dad. I'd like you to share with them somebody other than mom or dad that's an important person in your life. Or that you would like to be an important person in your life. Would you tell them about that person and ask them what they think about that idea? And maybe you could arrange a dinner appointment to invite this person over to a meal with you. Or if maybe they don't live in town, you could use this week to send them a note. Just to say, I want you to know you are an important person in my life and I thank God for you. It's Valentine's Day, so maybe that gives you an excuse to send somebody a valentine. That's your homework assignment. Now, homework assignment for those of us who are older. Here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to go home today and just take a moment and pray. And ask God to bring to mind somebody uh, for whom you could be an important person. You might even just take the bulletin from today's worship service and just brainstorm some names and just write them down. And then ask the Holy Spirit to surface one of those names. Just one name. Somebody that you're going to reach out to and build a relationship with. And you'll be surprised. It will not take much. Um... A cup of coffee from time to time, going on a walk, sending a care package, showing up at a recital or a sport event. These little things, they go a really, really long way. So before I send you out to engage that homework assignment, I want us to say one final thing, and that's about safety. Uh, It's really important that these be safe relationships or uh, there's no reason for the relationship at all. So here's my little safety briefing, and kids, I really want to make sure you hear this, there are three rules here. Parents' permission, two adults, no secrets. Very, very important. If you ever find an adult who breaks any of these three rules with you, I want you to find another adult right away and and share that with them. And adults, for you, this is our responsibility to keep these children safe and make them really feel safe. So what I want you to do is, before you engage in this relationship with a youth or a child, please speak to mom or dad first. Talk to them about that. Ask how they would feel about you being involved in in their child's life. And then make sure there's always another adult around with you. Best to be in a public place. Larson Hall would be great, or any place where there are a lot of adults uh, where you just can feel safe together. If you have any questions at all about how to um, effectively and safely reach out to a younger person in your life, please come and talk to any of our uh, leaders in our children's ministry or our youth ministry. They've been extremely well trained, and they'd be thrilled uh, to help you with this project. Well, the delight that you're going to discover if you take this up this week is that really God is our faithful friend throughout all generations. God has come in Jesus Christ to be a friend who is closer than a brother, who sticks closer than a brother, as the Proverbs say. Moses would put it this way, the Lord is our God, our God, the Lord alone. But in the fullness of time... That God would take on flesh, and in the person of Jesus Christ, He would say to us, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And it's because of that that we can stand and sing and offer our our whole lives to Him freely. For more UPC audio, or to find out about service times, visit us at upc.org. All online audio is available on CD and cassette. To order copies of sermons and classes, please visit upc.org slash audio, email audio at upc.org, or call 206-524-7301, extension 117.